So let's roll this video and then we'll hear from Nick. I think the biggest problem we have in this world are men. Men who are not fathers. Men who are not husbands. And they fall. When there is no example of a father figure for the family, where is the anchor? I've got the joy. This world really needs hope. This world really needs direction. This world really needs truth. I want you to know something. If you're alive, you have a gift. The gift of growing. Battle after battle, you need to understand, you will get through this. That's the power of hope. When I was 10 years old, I tried to drown myself. I tried to give up. Why? Because I couldn't see hope. I want you to know, I'm so thankful that I'm still here. Don't give up. Thank you, Lord, that you've given her the doctors and nurses to survive the cancer, Lord. I pray for joy. Lord, in the times when they feel alone, may many hearts be touched. Anoint her. Give her the opportunity. Lord, we pray that you will lift up this country out of the darkness that it's in. We're visiting a HIV-AIDS orphanage. She died. Sometimes it's hard to be strong. So cute. Look how beautiful my boy is. Hi, baby. How's Kiyoshi? Oh, I miss him so much. I love you, baby. All around the world, uh, we receive invitations for me to come and share my story and walk through doors that God has opened. And I believe that most countries in the world need healing. In Vietnam, they even have scripts for what they want me to say. They wanted us to sign a disclosure that I would not talk about faith, and we refused to sign it. Either we come without really reaching anyone, or we come loud.
Good morning, everybody. How are you? Did you enjoy that video? Good. Can you turn me down just a little bit, please? Thank you so much. Um, that video, uh, the highlights of what's just happened in 2013, um, this is actually the first time me preaching in 2014. By the grace of God, we clicked over, I think, at least 160 speaking engagements last year. God put us in front of seven presidents, four congresses, um, stadiums in Vietnam, Yahoo, CNN, Fox picked it up as the first evangelist to ever do what God did in Vietnam. And by the grace of God, that's going to happen again in Vietnam this year and Myanmar. Myanmar is a communistic country that just opened up, so by the grace of God, the gospel will be preached in that nation for the very first time in a stadium meeting, uh, as well as Taiwan, that just happened a couple of weeks ago, uh, uh, in, in a city, the biggest one, in, in Kaohsiung. There were other meetings in Taiwan all over the years, but in this particular city, there was a big stronghold, and uh, they've never had a stadium of 35,000 here in the gospel, and about 6,000 came to the Lord that day. Um, so where to begin, uh, just to say hello, I love you, um, I am so blessed to be here, um, the main reason why we are in this church is, um, I didn't know Pastor Phil and Tammy until this morning, uh, but I have fallen in love with you guys and your church, may God bless you and congratulations on uh, where God has taken you in such a short time, by the grace of God may you be blessed here. And may you really influence the influencers as well as the everyday people. Is there a difference between everyday people and the influencers? Interesting, right? Are we not all the influencers of, of basically the light of God, the love of God? Uh, obviously, that's where the name of the church came from. And whether it's me going from country to country and place to place and president to president, or just t- talking to someone in Starbucks about the love of Jesus... When you really find out how much Jesus loves you and how much he has for you, it does change your life. And today, if you're waiting for your life to change in some sort of way, I believe with all my heart, God's going to speak to you. The Holy Spirit's here. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're going through, but God does, and he's going to give you exactly what you need this morning. Amen? Um. I want to really quickly uh, honor the presence of an advisory board member and uh, a, a co-worker and, and great friend, Daniel Markham. He is helping us uh, with all the partner relationships. Daniel, would you actually stand up, please? <laughs> Daniel is one of my right hands in helping us really communicate to a lot of people um, who we are and, and where we're going um, and uh, by the grace of God, uh, was it half a cent per soul? 400, last year, 400 million people heard the gospel through national broadcast TV, press conferences, stadiums, and so on, and they repeated a lot of the national broadcasts. So by the grace of God, uh, it costed us last year to reach uh, 400 million people, uh, half a cent a soul. So if you're looking for some Good seed, it's good soil to plant some seeds in to evangelize around the world. 
go and uh, talk to Daniel if you need any more information. But I also need to honor someone very special here. Um, she's not in the room. My wife is here. My baby's sleeping. They're in the green room. Uh, but also Carla. Uh, Carla Mills. Kellen and Carla, I think, were on stage during worship. Carla was my first employee in Australia when I was 23. She was my first assistant, my longest employee, and probably will be my longest employee. Uh, and uh, it's because of her that I'm here. Uh, she asked me to come, and I said, of course. So thank you, Carla. <clears throat> so anyway, let's get right into it. Anybody brought their Bibles with them this morning? Good. Uh, anybody brought a pen and paper with them? Because uh, there, are, there are actually about... Um, Uh, I would say around eight main verses that I think I'm going to touch on, and uh, we're not going to have time to turn to the pages and read through them all, but we're going to paraphrase them. Uh, First of all, anyone seen me ever on YouTube? Okay, cool. Um, If you haven't seen some stuff, that that video is promoting what's actually currently happening. We have 20 webisodes um, every Tuesday another country comes up. So we took a a camera crew with us. And by the grace of God, all the people who have supported us, including my friend Evelyn Freed here and some other friends down the front, um, have, um, I forgot to pronounce your name. That's right. How do I pronounce uh, her name, Daniel? Right? Yeah. Sue? Yeah, you just like the nickname Sue is good. I can't say your full name. I'm so sorry. Just like Vujicic. No one can, anyone can say Vujicic? Anyone say Vujicic? Very good. So like friends and uh, supporters have taken us around the world. We have a camera crew who got the meetings with the presidents and the congresses and, and we're basically releasing them out. It was incredible because I met 15 people with no arms and no legs along the way. And can you imagine the hope, right? Just that, just that. Forget about the presidents, forget about the stadiums and all that. Just the fact that we met 15 children with no arms, no legs and I got to spend some time with their parents. Um, because a lot of places in the world, they're looked down upon to have a child with a disability. And, uh, you know, when I actually met the first person I'd, ev- I'd ever seen with no arms, no legs, was actually here in Anaheim, believe it or not. Um, it was when I was 23 years old, or 24. His name is Daniel Martinez. And I saw him in the crowd in a church about this big. And uh, saw the father hold him up like this. And I looked at him and I was like, wow, man, he had no arms, no legs, a little foot just like me. And we brought him up, same side as well. It was, I love my foot, I got two toes, peace. Um, <laughs> but we got the kid up here and, and he's up here and he's, he's 19 months old looking up at me and I'm looking down at him and I can't give him a high five, so I'll give him a low two. And um, it was amazing, you know, his mom hugged me and said, Nick, now I know God certainly does have a plan for my little boy and he hasn't forgotten us. And so three days later, my mom met his mom and my dad met his dad and they hugged and they cried. And that was when the, the line came straight from heaven, when you don't get a miracle, become a miracle. Okay, now that sounds really cool. That sounds really beautiful. Everyone would love to think that your brokenness can turn into something beautiful, that it could even, even, even maybe one day encourage someone else somehow. But when I talk about miracles, I think the greatest thing is that comes through our mind is, well, where's my miracle and what miracle do I need right now? What miracle does my family need? I want to talk about how God supplies all our needs, that he is truly all that we need. And um, so it was just incredible to to go around last year. And um, I'm originally from Australia. 
Um, I was born and raised there. I was, I'm a PK, talk about a disability, a pastor's kid. Uh, and I had to go to church and, and no matter what. And then I heard my dad preach. Uh, first verse, I want you to write down Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. What does that say? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then verse 12 says, then you will call upon me, come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. First couple words in verse 14 says, so 12, 13, 14 says this, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Now God is God. Whether you believe in God or not, that doesn't change the fact that he is there. Uh, you know, when you only see part of the picture, it doesn't really, um, some things are a little confusing when you can't see the whole picture, and that's where faith comes in. Everybody say faith. faith. Okay, write this down, F-A-I-T-H, full assurance in the heart. Now, let me tell you a funny story associated with something where an experience happened where someone saw only part of the picture. One day, I'm in the car, and I love you know, doing some crazy things at times, apart from skydiving and surfing and all that sort of thing. One day, I, um, uh, I was in a car, we're in the front seat, and we're at the traffic lights, and this car comes up next to us, and this girl's looking at me, and I'm looking at her, and all she sees is my head. You might get a close-up of my head here. And all she sees is my head. So imagine, she doesn't see the rest of my body. So I'm looking at her, she's looking at me, I'm looking at her, she's looking at me. That's before I'm married. And... Um, <laughs> And all she sees is my head. You want to get a real close-up of me, guys. Hello. Yeah, my head. There we go. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right, beautiful. Okay, not too close, all right? Um, but imagine all she sees is my head. I, and keep it there. I just did this. And she thought my head did a 360-degree spin. And it was just hilarious. Her face was like... Oh, it is. It's just freaking out, man. I love freaking people out. It's on YouTube. I actually dressed myself up as a pilot, greeting the passengers as they got on the plane. It was awesome. So it's interesting when you, know, when you talk about faith and only seeing a part of a thing. I mean, when you see a limbless captain dressed up with his hat and his jacket... And his, his badges, I mean, some people prayed for the very first time that day, and really they needed some faith. What is faith? Hebrews 11.1 1. Hebrews 11, 1 says, faith is being sure of, of, of things that you haven't seen, and evidence and substance uh, of, of those things. As, as far as, you know, things that, you know, I'm just paraphrasing it for anyone who's never heard that verse before, for, I, I'm actually, I love to talk to people who've never been to church for a long time. Um, who doesn't go to church every week? Let me just see who we got here. Put your hand up. Come on, I'll see you. All right, who does come to church every week? All right, cool. So good, good portion of you not. Um, I want you to know that, you know, I went to church every week and I learned about God and, um, you know, God's not going to ask you face to face how many times did you go to church. God's not going to ask you how good were you? How much money did you give? God's not going to ask you any of that. He's just going to know you. There is a love of God that is there that my parents were trying to communicate to me that I couldn't understand because of my pain. 
And so there is this love of God that far exceeds your expectations and your imagination. Or the, the closest example I can give you, which was recent, was when my wife was pregnant with our now 10-month-old son. She was about four or five months pregnant. And um, I put my little foot on her little belly because I wanted to feel him kick. And I, I, I've never seen him. I've never touched him. I've never heard him. I mean, I've seen him on the ultrasound a little bit, but I, he, I haven't given him a chance to even earn my love in any way, shape, or form. I haven't held him. I haven't done anything with him yet. And when I felt him kick, tears went straight in my eyes, and I was so overwhelmed in emotions, and I told my wife, I looked her in the eye and said, I love him. I didn't even know his name at the time. But I love him. Why? Because he's mine. That is the love of a father that we don't understand. In our brain, the, the biggest question about God is if God loves me and if there's pain, then why doesn't he change my pain? True? And, and, and in our lives, we're like, well, you know, maybe I need to be then a better person for them to God give me Good things, and then for him to hear my prayers. That was my thinking when I was like six, seven, eight, nine years old. I went to school. I was in a mainstream school, and I was the only one without arms and legs. I know you're really shocked. And when I went to the school, it was really difficult because I had a lot of unwanted attention, and the bullying and all that sort of thing brought me closer and closer to the edge. Okay. The word of God is true. God is real. I'll say it again. Whether you believe in him or not, God is real. That's a fact. Let me just show you something here. Your belief doesn't change the truth. Uh, how many feet do I have? Okay, how many toes do I have? Two toes. How many feet do I have? Okay, put your hand up if you think I have one foot. Go, quick. Okay, put your hand down. You're wrong. What if I told you I had two feet? Would you believe me? What if I told you I had three feet? Would you believe me then? Four feet. A little weird, right? Now, how many feet do you see? One. Does that mean I only have one? No. But you can believe all you want that I'm just tricking you just because of this example and I actually only have one foot and you think that I'm tricking you so you believe with all your heart that I only have one foot. What you believe doesn't change the truth. And the truth is sometimes you don't see everything. Hello. Yes? Okay. So if we saw everything and if we knew everything then we wouldn't need any faith. If all paths led to heaven, then why didn't we just start there at the beginning? If we didn't start there at the beginning and, and all human, humanity was just saved by all this, from all this suffering and stuff, if we're all going to that place of eternal life that I actually believe is in every soul, we believe deep down that there has to be something more than simply 90 years. There has to be more. When we understand that there is more and not all paths lead to the same place, then what is it, and what does it look like, and how do I find it? Now, unless it's revealed, you can't see it. But if you never believe that I have a second foot, then you'll never look for it. If I give you an envelope and tell you it's sealed, it's for you, but there's nothing in it, what are you going to do? You're going to open it. I just told you there's nothing in it. Well, I don't care. I just want to what? Make sure. 
Well, it ain't going to change your life opening up an empty envelope, and it ain't going to change your life knowing whether Nick has one or two feet. But it will change your life if you believe in God. It will change every part of your life. When you believe in him, it changed me. Now, first of all, before I move on, here's my little foot. Little, little small one there. It's, it's quite shy. To, it's up there, right? I don't know. I mean, there's no function for it. It just hangs around, right? It just comes along for the ride. So in understanding that God does love us, God does have a heaven. He is not a cruel and mean God. He doesn't wait for us to get better before he gives us good stuff. He doesn't wait for Nick to pray 1,469 times to have arms and legs before he says, okay, finally you prayed 1,469 times. Finally you gave enough money. Fine. No. No. The, another verse I don't remember right now. Pastor Phil would know. The mustard seed, mustard seed of faith can move mountains. Thank, which one were? Mark eleven twenty two. That's right. Thank you so much. Well done, Pastor. Look, you, you taught her well. So in our life, we're going to understand that it's not about how big of a faith we have. Get this. It's not about how big of a faith you have. It's about what you put your little faith in. And sometimes when it's not working, you think you need more faith. Well, maybe you're just putting the faith in the wrong places. We put faith in our relationships. We put faith in money. Really, we do. Security. When we have enough money, then we'll be, ah. So many single people say, well, I know I'm not happy right now, but I know I'm going to be happy when I get married. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. Baby, I'm really happy married to you. But she knew, my wife knew, that I was happy before I met her. Now I feel complete. Now I see the blessings of God. But here's the truth. If you're not happy in Jesus Christ and you have not found your purpose, you have not found the truth of your value, you have not found the truth of the destiny that God has, the creator who's given you the purpose, and it's all in here as you search for him with all your heart, you will find it. If you are not happy with Christ single, you will not be happy with Christ married. Do you get it? We look for things. I was looking for things as a child. My things were what? Arms and legs. Man, if I just had arms and legs, everything would be great. Well, yes, God, you have a plan for me. And I saw you, you know, in the Bible, uh, you know, uh, make the lame walk, raise the dead. God, give me. What do you think I asked for? Arms and legs. Now, can God do all things? Yes, he certainly can. I've seen 12 miracles. Maybe you've never seen a miracle in your life and you refuse to believe that God does exist. That's your choice. You refuse to believe that miracles don't happen. That's your choice. Just because you can't understand it doesn't mean it's not there. Doesn't mean it doesn't happen. If you don't believe that God is real and angels are real, come with me to Africa. Come with me to India and I can prove to you to see demons. You can see them manifest. You can see these witch doctors fighting from mountain and mountain and they're striking each other with lightning. I want you to know that I haven't seen that, but I know it happens. And someone who saw that told me and I trust him because I've seen 12 blind people seeing Deaf people hearing, lame people walking, crooked backs come straight. That was the first miracle I saw. She came like this after a motorbike accident for five years. Her back was like this. And she gave her life to Jesus Christ. She came forward. She said a prayer. She 
asked God to forgive her of her sin. She asked God to take over her life. She didn't want her strength anymore, her wisdom, her plan for her life. She wanted God. She wanted God to take over because she just couldn't do it anymore. We took her out the back to help her with the next steps and connect with her later. And we just started praying. And I said, what do you want to pray for? She said, my, my back's like this. And her legs were obviously just evolving at that shape. I mean, her legs were just out of whack. Everything in her body was out of whack now. And she said, doctors don't want to touch me. Will you pray for me? Sure, we sat in a seat for 10 seconds. I don't speak in tongues. I know many people who do. I've seen the power of speaking tongues. You don't have to speak in tongues. We didn't speak in tongues in this miracle that happened. We prayed for 10 seconds in Jesus' name be healed. Is that complicated? We said it three times. Is that complicated? Her back, like this. Her legs became straight. She fell to her knees, bawling her eyes out. That was the first miracle I saw. So miracles happen. God is real. And there is so much more to the life that we have than meets the eye. For me, though, it was a war. Everybody say war. Okay. What's the most powerful emotion in the world? Anyone? Powerful, the most powerful emotion in the world. Anyone know? Fear, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. Now, there are good fears and there are bad fears. Let me tell you what happened when I was born. My mom and dad, they actually, I was their firstborn son. They had ultrasounds done and they had no idea that I was going to be born this way. No clue. My mom was a nurse and she delivered hundreds of babies before I was born. And my dad was next to my mom's side, standing next to her, and he saw me as I was being born. He saw my shoulder and he saw that I had no arm. He knew what he saw was real. And he was so overcome with emotions that he left the room nearly vomiting and fainting. So imagine my mom, she sees her husband leave. He turns green, she said. And the doctors, now that I am born, he holds me low enough so she can't see what's going on. Then she sees the three nurses come and cry and take me in a corner. And my mom's like, tell me what's wrong. Tell me what's going on. She's thinking, is his heart born on the outside of the body? She's, come, you know, she's a nurse. She's a midwife. She, she's done, you know, all these things. Focamelia, which means born without arms and legs with no medical reason. So they put me next to my mom. She said, I want to see him. So I was put next to her side and she didn't touch me. She said, I can't see him. I don't want to see him. Take him away. I can't do this right now. They took me into another room. And my dad, then the doctor goes out to meet him in the hall, and my dad's like freaking out. My son, he has no arm. And the doctor says, no, he has no arms or legs. And he's trying to imagine that. He can't even imagine that. He's like, what do you mean? So he goes back into the room, and he sees that my mom already knew, and my dad was really angry that he wasn't by, by her side when she was told. And he said, can I go see him? He came into the room where I was, unwrapped me, looked at me, wrapped me up, came back to my mom and said, he's beautiful. Now at that stage, do you think that my parents were scared at all? 
You better believe it. Now, there are two types of fear. There are rational fear and rational fear and irrational fear. Thinking, is he going to go to school? Is he ever going to become independent? The doctors told him I would never walk. Never walk. Um, so much fear. Um, and those fears you have to think through and pray about. But I want to talk about the other fears with you. These fears that I had when I was eight years old and getting bullied and teased. The lies that were taking me away from the truth. The truth will set you. So here I am and on the path of truth and path of encouragement, I come closer to all that God wants me to have and be. God loves me. He wants me alive. He wants me in heaven. Is this true? Does he want me with arms and legs on this planet? I don't know. Can I ask for God to give me arms and legs? Yes. Will he give it to me? I don't know. But more than arms and legs, I want peace. You can have arms and legs and not know what to do with your arms and legs if you don't have purpose. Amen? So more than arms and legs, I need the stuff that I really need. You got me? So then, when you understand that, that God is real and angels are real and heaven is real, and this temporary life is such that you either believe what God says or not believe what God says. If you don't believe what God says, then you're believing a lie. And the father of lies, his name is the devil. He came to Adam and Eve as a snake in the garden of Eden. God gives us the same chance he gave Adam and Eve, either to believe what God said or believe what Satan said. And so Satan doesn't want me alive. He wants me dead. He doesn't want me in heaven. He wants me in hell. And he sends his demons along to try to torment me. Now, I'm not saying I'm, I'm saying that when I was a child, I'm seeing demons. No, it's the bullying and the teasing and the constant planting of the seeds of lies. When you plant some seed and you nurture it and there's soil and there's sun and there's rain, it grows into something. An apple tree grows apples. A lying tree grows lies. And if you don't get rid of that, you're going to have a life full of lies. And if you don't know the truth, then you'll never be free of the lies. I nearly died. Nick, you're not good enough. Nick, just give up. Nick, you'll be alone for the rest of your life. You're just a burden to your parents. You're never going to go to university. You're never going to get a job. You're never going to get married. Even if you got married, you can't even hold your wife's hand. Even if you had a child, you can't even pick him up when he cries. You can't do anything. You're a nobody. You're weird. Look, everyone's looking at you. You can't change anything. You have no hope. At age eight, I thought maybe killing myself was the best thing to do. At age 10, I tried. You'd be surprised how many people have thought of committing suicide in this room. You would be surprised. It comes across our mind. Why? How? How is that an answer? It's the only solution if there is no hope. That's what we think. But there is hope. 
You see, today I'm 31 years old, and here I am, okay, I am an evangelist. My parents never thought I'd be an evangelist. I never thought I'd be an evangelist. (laughs) Traveling the world, stadiums as big as 110,000, TV live audiences, 270 million people watching me for 10 minutes as I pray for all of Latin America on the 4th of December 2010. Not only that, but getting these... Yeah, praise God for that. Who would have thought... It's only God who can use a man without arms and legs to be his hands and feet. Some people don't believe in God and all they think is you just need a positive attitude. You're totally wrong. Well, Nick, uh, didn't a positive attitude help you to get to where you are? Dude, you got it back to front. Because God is with me and he's by my side and I am the child of the King of kings and Lord of lords and I'm never going to die and I have his angels with me and I, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Romans 8.28, all things do come together for the good for those who love him, Isaiah 40.31, those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength that shall mount up on wings like eagles. When you put your trust and faith in God, God's love never fails. God is faithful. He cannot be not faithful. He needs to be faithful because he is God. He is holy. He is perfect. He is always on time. He is never too late. He is never too early. Then why am I in my pain? Why am I in my pain? 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. I think for the next three verses after that. My grace is sufficient. Apostle Paul says, there was a thorn in my flesh and I pleaded with God to take it away. Do you think someone came up to Paul and said, well, you just got to pray harder. You just got to be a better person. You just got to start speaking in tongues. Are you kidding me? God said, no, I'm not going to take that thorn from your side for my grace is what? Sufficient. And when you understand that you, that the change in your life that you want happens when you make a change in your decisions to stop trusting you. Your plan, your wisdom, your faithfulness. Haven't you failed you before? At least once? So many people, they go from relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship, and they can point out all the flaws of their their partners and love. She had this and she had that, and then this one had this and this one had that. Maybe the problem is you. And everywhere you go, so you are with you. (laughs) Amen? Your wisdom will fail you. Your flesh will fail you, but God will never fail you. Does my flesh fail me? Absolutely every single single day. (laughs) I was going to say freaking, but I don't know how Phil says about that. Sorry. You're good. I got a thumbs up. Thank you. But I promise I won't say it again. I'm just. So we got to understand. That's a bad word in Australia. But I'm American now. (laughs) Can you hear my accent? What's with that? I can't even. It's not even Australian. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So here it is. I fail God every day. Do you believe me? So I'm just like you. You got fear? Brokenness? Yeah. 
comes in all shapes and forms. You can't do anything with your brokenness. Can't. You can't do anything with your failures. You can't turn back time. You can try and be better at something and you'll never be perfect. Sometimes you get worse even when you try harder. When you say, God, I surrender. I I just can't do this on my own. I need you to refine me. I need you to take over my life because there's nothing else on this planet to live for than you. You can have a great life. You can have a great college, university degree. You can get a great job. You can become a multi-millionaire. You can be a good father, a great husband. You could be very generous and you can leave a legacy of good things behind. But where do you go when you're not here? I know where I'm going when I'm not here. And I know that I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds my tomorrow. So with all that to say, no wonder I have a positive attitude. People who think all you need is a positive attitude to cope through life, go to the hospital and go talk to a 13-year-old kid who's dying of leukemia today and go tell them to have a positive attitude. If you can't believe in heaven, if you can't believe in a person who did the impossible, which is raise himself from the grave, don't you think that's the person I want to follow, the guy who actually could defeat death and not just write a book about how to live? and saying that I know the way to heaven, like all the other religions, there was one person that set apart from all, Jesus. He was holy. No one else was. No one ever claimed to be holy like him. But he did, humbly. He claimed to be God. People deny that. That's their choice. But in the Senate, 33, around 33 AD, there was a governmental letter by the congressman written in those times there and it the fact is there it's talking about jesus of nazareth government piece of paper saying that he existed does healings by a government piece of paper you don't believe in the bible would you believe in a government piece of paper you trust obama more than jesus let's not get political here but i'm going to tell you right now it happened Jesus was sent by whom? The Father. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. I have everlasting life. I have a comforter. I have a refuge. I have my heavenly Father. He is my rock. I don't care what big house you have, what kind of life you live. If it's not built on the rock and it's built in the sand, it ain't going to last. Give me a 10 square foot home or a room on a rock than a mansion on the sand. Philippians 11. Apostle Paul says, I've learned the secret of being content. I know how it is to have everything and have nothing. I am content. Do I look like I need anything right now? No. Am I in need? No. Would I like some arms and legs? Yeah, that would be cool to get on a bike and break a leg. Sure. (laughs) 
But what do you think I want? Can we have some uh, keys up here, please? Remember that little boy, Daniel, with no arms, no legs? When he was two and a half years old, he started watching videos of me on YouTube, and he's telling his mum and dad, swim like Nick, swim like Nick, and now he swims like us. He swims like me, and we're going to go um, together, swimming in a, in a couple months when it gets a little warmer. And I think of just one example to, to just get you to understand something. So do I want arms and legs? Yeah. Do I have a pair of shoes in my closet just in case he says yes? <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, I do. I do. Am I like less complete without them? No. Am I waiting around for him? No. I will worship the Lord with all my heart and serve him all the days of my life because because of what he's already given me. And instead of arms and legs for 90 years, would you not agree with me that it is such a more precious life to live without arms and legs if only little Daniel was encouraged to believe that Jesus is Lord and heaven is real? The day I met them actually at the church, I said to his mum that when he goes to school, I'll come and talk about bullying just in case he's getting bullied. She said, well, he's not going to go to school. I said, what, 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 what? She said, doctor said he's not going to go to school. I said, don't worry, I'll talk to your doctor. So I said, just show him my videos and then he'll get it. So they use my YouTube videos. Every time they met someone and came up to a hurdle, they use my videos to show them, well, Nick went to school, so Daniel can go to school. And then uh, two years ago, I went to his school to talk about bullying, and he was getting bullied, and now he's the coolest kid in the school. So what do you think I want? You think I want arms and legs for 90 years, or the one day in heaven, the one hug in heaven, that comes from Daniel running to me, with his new pair of legs and hugging me with his new pair of arms and me as well, new limbs, and him hugging me and crying on my shoulder and saying, thank you, brother, for helping me believe that Jesus had a plan for me. Arms and legs or or that? I mean, arms and legs are going to give you arthritis later on anyway. (laughs) Right? So what do you want? Are you quite done yet doing it your way? Because I gave my life to Jesus at 15 years old. When I read about a blind man, John chapter 9, first three verses, check it out. Jesus was going through a village. A man was born blind. No one knew why. And I'm like, oh, that sounds a little interesting. Jesus said it was done so that the works of God would be revealed through him. And I'm like, awesome. See, what hit me wasn't the fact that he healed the blind man. I just stopped right there. Because at that exact moment, the blind man had no idea what was coming. And even the people with sight had no idea what was coming. But Jesus knew. God knew your name before you were born, guys. Before the earth began, he knew you. I can't get my head around that, but that's God. You can't get your head around God because God's bigger than your head. He had no beginning. He has no end. It's God. He's God. 
So if you're okay with the fact that you won't understand everything about God, that's a good beginning. But he said it. And when he says it, it's true. So, the blind man had no idea what was coming. Jesus knew. And at that point, that's the moment in my life where I said, okay, God. If you had a plan for a blind man, you have a plan for me. And you don't really have to tell me what the plan is. I just want to trust you. From this day on, I give you my life. I give you my heart, my thoughts, my brokenness, my fears, my regrets, my pain, my sorrows, my depression, my loneliness, my struggles, my weakness. I give you my all. I give you my dreams. God, if, if you want those dreams to happen, awesome. If not, I trust you. That's what he wants from us every day. A daily commitment. It's not a prayer. It's a daily journey with Christ. And when you realize that the devil's here and the battle's already been won, why can we beat the devil? Because the devil already met with Satan face to face and won. He won. Now Jesus that lives in me, whatever power Jesus has, then I have. The Spirit of God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead now lives in me, he gives me that power to also be raised from the dead and also conquer the devil. So when you realize that you're here and you feel like giving up and you realize it's just the devil, it's just, everybody say, it's just the devil. Say it again. Say it again. Then you do this. (laughs) Satan, talk to the foot because the ears ain't listening. And get beneath me because you are my what? Footstool. That's why God gave me one foot. So he can get under it. Amen? Crush his head. Turn your back and go, na, 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 na. And every day in a personal, active relationship with God. Everybody say personal, active, daily relationship with Jesus. In that as you pray, you ask God, God, help me today. Help me to make the right decisions. Lord, forgive me of my sins today. Please renew me. I leave what's behind. I press forward to the future. As Tammy said, he's doing a new thing in us every single day. And when we come to a plateau in our life, sometimes when we even go to church every week, sort of come to this plateau. Well, what's God wanting to do new in you? You haven't really asked him. The moment you think that you've reached sort of like a Yes, I got here. It's never existing. Like, this life is always a journey. You could probably have 15 things. If 15 things in your life and your family's life actually changed this moment, miraculously, everything was quote-unquote perfect, you would be like, and then guess what? Something else is going to happen. This life isn't just supposed to be about, oh, finally, everything's perfect. It's not perfect. It's never going to be perfect. It's not about going from a valley to a mountain. It's asking, God's asking you today, will you travel this life alone or with Jesus? You will go through the valleys. You will go over the mountain. You will go down the valley. You will go through the valley. You will go up a mountain, down a mountain, up a mountain, down a mountain. It is the journey, and it's the journey that raises your faith in Jesus Christ. 
I know my God is faithful because I had to turn to him in my desperate times when I know nothing else could help. He is my help. He is not my last resort. He's not an accessory that I pull out of my back pocket when I need him. He's not an iPhone app. He is my Lord. He is my master. He is my king. He is my father. He is my everything. He is God in my life. It's changed me inside out, upside down. So when something comes to me, I know. Philippians, last verse I want to tell you. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing. I know that sounds impossible, and I'm always anxious for something. I get it. I understand what anxiety is in our life, ups and downs. But listen to what Paul says. Overall, be anxious for nothing. Ultimately, be anxious for nothing. Purely, be anxious for nothing. Present your request to God, and let the peace of God that surpasses your understanding guard you and your heart and your mind. In Christ Jesus. So when you're going through a struggle, Lord, heal me of cancer. But Lord, if you don't heal me of cancer, thank you, God, that your grace is sufficient. Thank you that you're with me. And I'm going to be a miracle for someone else. Period. Death is not the end. It's just a lack of breath for a split second. Amen? So Jesus loves you. I just want to now tell you that Jesus is the way, the truth, and life because he was holy and I was not. And if I didn't believe that he paid the price for my sin, then I'm going to pay the price of mine. Has anyone lied before? Has anyone been jealous before? Anyone hated anyone? That's a sin. I don't care if you killed anyone or you hate someone in your heart. Sin is sin. God hates hate so much. If you just hate someone, it's like as if you've killed that person in your heart. To God's standard, not my standard, not Californian standard, you're not going to go to jail for hating someone. But on God's standard, if you hate someone, you're not going to go to heaven. What? Yep. Well, we're a big problem here. God transforms you when you understand that Jesus died for your sins who am I that if he forgives me who am I not to forgive you can't forgive everyone in your life until you realized that forgiveness from Jesus when you ask for forgiveness when God comes in your life he changes you one day at a time not everything changes Everything right there in that. But it's the journey. So I have sinned. You have sinned. I can't pay the price for your sin. Because I have to pay the price for mine. You can't pay the price for my sin because you have sinned. Now if the price of sin is death, I definitely can't die for your sin because I've got to die for mine. I only live, die, I only die once. Here. But if Jesus died for us, then we're not going to die. Amen. He loves you as a plan for you. And I want to ask you today, would you receive him in your life? Would you just stop doing things your way and ask him for help? And not just have, a, have him as a guest in your house, but own the house. 
Some of you have Jesus in your heart, but only as a guest. When the devil comes knocking at your door, guess who opens the door? The owner or the guest? The owner. Make Jesus the owner of your life and give him the key so that when the devil knocks at the door, it's not you who's opening it, it's Jesus. And when the devil sees Jesus, he says, sorry, I knocked on the wrong door. And he runs. Then he might come and try to dig a tunnel and come up through your foundation. And that's okay, because who's in the house? Jesus is in the house. Amen? God never promises a smooth life, guys. But he promises he'll be with you. All the way. And he forgives you. He loves you. No, 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 no. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Today, make your life right with him. And if you don't believe he loves you, I've seen an old woman. It's coming up on one of the webisodes. I've seen an old woman who's paralyzed walk. And I didn't know who she was. We were in the brothels of Mumbai. This woman, 45 years ago, was the one who started that whole brothel red light district. She was the one responsible for the abuse and the destruction of thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of girls in India forced into prostitution. She's the one who started that. And God healed her. What does that tell you about God's love? There is no bound. God loves you. There are no bounds. There is no bound that God cannot break through. So right now, from the front to the back and all the sides, I want to ask you today in your heart, do you want to ask him into your life? And in a moment, don't worry, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to come to the front. Yes, I'm not going to lay hands on you. Don't worry about that. I'm not going to give a microphone to you and say, what's your name? You guys are not even going to face this way. You're just going to face the front like this, okay? And I just want to say a prayer with you. Now, why is it important that you make a move here? Because it's difficult. And those who are sincere in their heart can do it from your seats, but there is something very powerful when you stand up and admit, I need God in my life. Because if God is real and heaven is real and now you receive it, don't you want to tell someone else about it? I'm not saying that after this day you need to get a Bible and smash people over the head with it. But if you're going to make a commitment to God to be who He wants you to be, He will give you the courage to stand up and come forward and say a prayer. And in the prayer, we're going to ask God to forgive you of your sins. Does He forgive all your sins? Absolutely. Is there one too big for Him not to, to too big for Him to forgive? No. But right now, if you know that you need Christ in your life and you want to ask God, Lord, forgive me of my sin. Lord, help me to turn away. Lord, help me every day. Teach me from your word. Direct me one day at a time. When I fall, pick me up. When I sin, forgive me. Lord, I want to know you. I want to know your plans. Because if you had a plan for Nick, you have a plan for me. And he does. You're never too young to give your life to Christ. Christ. 
and being too late to make a decision has nothing to do with your age. I might die today on the way back home. You don't know. I don't know. That's why the day of salvation is today because you can't tell what's going to happen tomorrow. So right now, if you know the Holy Spirit's touching your heart, you need to make a decision for Christ to turn from your wicked ways. You don't want to sin anymore. You want God in your life. And you know, you can't do that on your own. You need Him. If that's you, stand now and come forward as this first person did. Come on. Just stand and come. Come on, teenagers. Teenagers, God's calling. God's knocking at your door. Husbands, wives, widows, widowers, married couples, single people, young children. I want you to keep on applauding until you see there's a lot more people coming. There are a lot more people coming. Don't you worry about it. Come on, from this side. You know God's touched you today. Stand right now. You want to bring a friend? Just ask your friend, will you come with me? I want to go up there, but I don't want to go alone. They're probably thinking the same thing. Just keep on coming. Can you guys all move that way a little bit? Let's move up this way, this way. Shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Keep going, mate. There's a lot more people coming. That's good, right there. That's good. Keep moving up, guys. Keep moving up to those guys. There's more people coming. It's not too late. If you need to make your decision, make it now, right now. Make it today. He loves you. He'll heal you. He'll transform you one day at a time. Nothing surprises God. You can't surprise God. We're going to get you guys out of the aisle. Keep coming around this way. Out of the aisle this way. Yep. There's another one. He's coming. Oh, he's a, he's a volunteer. All right, we got it. He's a badged guy helping us with the traffic. Awesome. Is there anybody else? Just make your move now. I ask, hey, can you come with me? They're probably hoping that you're going to ask them. Is there anyone else? Hey, I really want to go there. I really want to say that prayer. One, two. Good. Anybody else? There's another one. There's another one. There's another one. There's another one. Hallelujah. We give you praise, Jesus. There's a couple coming down. Oh, the, where's the overflow room? Is that the overflow room we're talking about? Yes? Oh, okay. So, cool. Well, we're going to pray now. And I'm going to pray for us first. And Oh, they're still coming. Good. That's four more people. 
So I'm going to pray for us all, and then I'm going to lead you in a prayer that I ask you to repeat after me. It's not the formula now to be saved, but it's you communicating to God that you really want to know Him, and you want His plan for your life. Hallelujah. Do you know what's happening right now in heaven? All the angels are rejoicing like crazy. They're like so happy right now. We're so happy for you. So let's just pray as we are. Dear Lord, we just thank you so much for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the plan that you have for everyone. Every single person, Lord, you know our hearts, you know our tears, you know our burdens. We ask God that you would bless us and not just instruct us, but first of all, comfort us and meet us where we're at. We thank you, Lord, that there is no pit of depression too deep for your arm to reach. And we pray, Lord, right now for healing in this place. We pray for depression to be lifted. We pray for oppression to be gone. We pray against every power and principality of darkness to be gone in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, that no, no plans of the enemy will prosper. And we thank you, Lord, that we are yours. We're your kids. We're your kids. Thank you, God, that you just, you enjoy us. You, you think about us so much. And you're waiting for us just to communicate with you every day. Lord, you do want to do new things in our lives every day. And we pray that you would teach us what you want us to do. And Lord, we know we're, we're never going to be perfect. We understand that. We know that. We admit that. But we do ask, God, that you would turn our hearts, that we would continue to hunger and strive for righteousness, to hunger and strive for the things of you and knowing you, not just as something or someone or a religion, but as our Father, as our friend, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you so much. Lord, we pray that lives would be definitely changed today for the rest of their lives. Thank you, God. Would you repeat this prayer after me? Say, Dear God, I come to you today and I thank you for loving me. I am so sorry for all of my sin. Please forgive me. I don't want to sin. Please change me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross. For all of my sins. Forgive me. Change me. And fill me. With your Holy Spirit. I want to know you. Teach me to pray. Teach me to seek you. Speak to me through the Bible. I want to know you more. And your plans. Every single day. I give you my heart. My emotions. My brokenness. My weaknesses. I trust you. And give me faith. To believe what you say. And to believe that you're always with me. 
and you'll never leave me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.